Hallo Helden, willkommen zu Modifier. Ich bin Ihr Gastgeber, Megan Dornbrock. Today I'm talking to Tim Brown, the studio manager at Ulysses North America, currently developing the English translation of The Dark Eye. The Dark Eye, or Das Schwarze Auge, is one of Germany's oldest and most popular German-language RPGs. It has been translated into many other languages and played widely across Europe. A previous edition of the game was translated into English over 10 years ago or so by FanPro with mixed results. This translation isn't just a new attempt by a new company. It starts with a whole new edition of Das Schwarze Auge by Ulysses Spiele, who has been incredibly thorough in making this a fresh start or optimal entry point for German audiences. In collaboration with Paizo, Ulysses Spiele and their North American arm are bringing this new edition to English audiences so that players around the globe are on the same page together in this history-rich game. Something I'm deeply interested in is how changing the language of a game changes the playing of the game. Tim and I get into this a little bit here, but since the Dark Eye doesn't yet have an English fan base comparable to its German one, there's not much to go on. If you've played the game in either language, though, I'd love to hear about your experience. Also, today is the last day for the Dark Eye Kickstarter. If you're catching this episode later, there may still be time to grab it through the backer kit. Or if it's much later, the book should be available wherever you buy Paizo products and almost definitely online. Let's get to the show. Joining me today is Tim Brown to talk about his current project, The Dark Eye. Um, why don't we start by an introduction and a little bit a uh, brief history of your work in games? Because I know you've you've worked for a couple of companies doing a couple of things. I've been around. Thanks for having me today, Megan. I'm I'm glad yes. to uh, to catch people up on my my long career in the business. I started with uh, with Game Designers Workshop way back in the late 1970s, if you can imagine that. Yep. And uh, working on. Uh, uh, Traveler and uh, Twilight 2000 were some role-playing games we were working on then. Helped mm -hmm. out creating the original Space 1889 game as well, which was a lot of fun. Oh, my gosh. Moved on from uh, Game Designers Workshop to uh, begin work with uh, TSR in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Back in those days, uh, at the, uh, at the pretty much came in at the introduction of the second edition of the AD&D game. So I came on... Just after that had been published, so I learned second edition very well. Uh, uh, the Forgotten Realms was already a world within it, um, and the uh, world of Greyhawk was being updated to the second edition of the game. And then as I moved into uh, project management and then uh, became the uh, the director of the entire creative services department, we started the real heyday, I felt, of creating new game worlds for the second edition AD&D game. So that's when things came out like... Uh, uh, Ravenloft and Spelljammer and then Planescape, one that I was personally involved with, with uh, Troy Denning and Brahm and creating Dark Sun. All of those sorts of games sort of came out in, in that era. That's when we made all those settings for, for AD&D 2nd Edition. Uh, when uh, uh, Watsi kind of took over TSR, I did not join them in that venture out to Seattle and uh, mm -hmm. stayed uh, on a freelance basis, did some work with uh, FASA over the years, did some other game products, and have uh, since gravitated into a lot of computer game work, and I've done quite a few titles um, with different country companies like uh, Petroglyph here in Las Vegas, which is where I live now. Um, but I still keep my fingers in the tabletop industry, and the, I've been uh, good friends with the people at Ulysses Spiele in Germany for several years, and as their ambitions to bring some of their products from Germany into the English-speaking market have uh, have grown. They've they've reached out to me, and I, I'm glad to be a part of it. I I just think their stuff is 
their, their stuff is terrific and it's a great team of people to work with. So it's been a lot of fun. Holy shit. That's quite a resume. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's no, that's, that's incredible. I, uh, were you familiar with the dark eye before Ulysses Spilo? I was. Like approached you to work on it? Okay. Yeah. I I was familiar with the dark eye because uh, we knew even when I started at, at TSR, Back in the late 1980s, we knew that um, it, it may be apocryphal. I really don't know at this point. But the, the story is that several German game enthusiasts approached TSR way back in the early 80s and said, we, we would love to make Dungeons and & Dragons and translate that into German. And they were told nine, and, and they were not allowed to do it. So they went ahead and made their own game. And they made um, Das Schwarze Auge, which we've translated as the Dark Eye. Right. Uh, and Das Schwarze Auge has uh, been in continuous publication in Germany ever since. And uh, is now in its fifth edition of that game in Germany. And over those years has just developed one gigantic fantasy role-playing <laughs> setting called Aventuria. And everything they've done over all of that time is now cataloged. It's been updated and is now this this wealth of probably the the single most well-developed uh, fantasy role-playing universe uh, on earth. And now we get to uh, explore that in, in English, which is, which is a ton of fun. But yeah, we had heard of that. We had heard of the game back in, uh, like I said, in the late eighties and we, and we knew that it was, it was still being published and, and that that German market from a point of view of trying to penetrate that market with um, American or English language role-playing games was, was always difficult or nigh onto impossible because of the popularity of Das Schwarze Auge, their own homegrown and very oh, really? popular system and universe. Yeah. I don't think uh, anybody with a fantasy role-playing game ever had a uh, tremendous uh, success selling in Germany because there was, they're just already, you know, a big kid on the block as it were. Yeah. So. Yeah. That, that's very similar to the story that I was hearing about mm-hmm. uh, bringing, translating Dungeons and Dragons and sort of the, the, that's the, the result of them not getting it or being allowed to have it, right. whatever yeah. the case may be. Yeah, that was that's what I was told. That's interesting. I didn't realize it was preventing uh, translations down the line from actually taking a root. Yeah, I, I don't know. Frankly, in the latter day, I don't know. And, I, and for instance, I know that uh, Pathfinder is translated into German. It's translated by Ulysses mm. Spiele. So uh, there, there are people playing Pathfinder over there. But uh, as far as just straight D and I really don't know the success level of that game over there. I'm not sure either. Yeah, everything I get is kind of hearsay mm-hmm. from from Reddit or or what have you. Right, like I, right. I know it's I know it's being played, but to to exactly. what degree of uh, legitimacy? Awesome. And I think aren't uh, Ulysses Spiele and Paizo? Don't they work together? We do. Yeah, Paizo's okay. been uh, uh, very helpful to us. They've become essentially our publishing partner for uh, you know the basically sales and and getting uh, Ulysses Spiele products into. Uh, American and other English speaking uh, distribution so that it can be available for game stores. Paizo is soliciting all those products just as they're soliciting their own mm-hmm. right side, you know, side by side so that everybody, if, if a distributor carries Paizo, it's also carrying everything from Ulysses Spiele that we're bringing up for the dark eye. Oh, cool. So that's going to be a lot of places then I imagine. Yeah. yeah it's, it's <laughs> plenty. Trust me. Plenty. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So what what is it that you do in this project? Because we were going to talk about uh, translation in particular, sure, but what sure. is it that you do? Technically, I'm the studio manager for Ulysses mm-hmm. North America. Ulysses North America is now the mm-hmm. the American English speaking branch, if you will, of Ulysses Spiele in uh, in Germany. They are in the town of Waldames, which is a small town outside of Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. But now we have uh, Ulysses North America here, uh, headquartered in Nevada. 
and uh, and I'm the studio manager. I am not the translator for the game, which you should all be very thankful for, because <laughs> if that were the case, I'd still be on page one, and it would really be bad. It would be bad, bad. My German is, uh, you know, high school German, and that's it. Yep. So, okay, go, um, same. <laughs> but we have, we have a nice team of uh, translators that are all working on the project, and these are guys that tend to uh, translate in both directions. They translate English manuscripts into German for publication there and vice versa. They're translating these German manuscripts into English, but we have a complete uh, team of uh, native speaking, native English speaking editorial talent headed up by Kevin McGregor. Kevin is the line manager for mm. the dark eye. So we have uh, native speakers going into those translations and whipping them into shape for the, uh, the English language publications that we're working on. So Beautiful. they're, they're really good translations. I know that, uh, at one point in a previous edition, mm -hmm. the Dark Eye was translated into English, and, and yep. it was it was not well received. It wasn't a good edition of the German game to begin with, and then it was not. It, it didn't have great art. It didn't have it didn't have a, yeah. a really terrific translation or a good team of people trying to really whip it into shape for for native English speakers. But uh, but this edition has all of those assets. We've got, uh, like I said before, this is. This is a translation of Das Schwarze Auge's fifth edition. Mm -hmm. That is now the American English language edition that we're putting out now. And it's got uh, the best, you know, overall cohesive look. The rules have really been whipped up into shape over several previous editions. And, uh, and, and the art content and just graphic presentation of these books is really at that, that high-end sort of Euro quality where, you know, it's got nice. spot varnish and really terrific art and it's just art pervasive and, and really evocative of the, of the game setting and, and the world Aventuria, which is really brought to life with all this terrific new art. So yeah, I can't wait for people to, uh, to, uh, see the products when they come out. But of course we've got a lot yeah. of pieces up on the, that are coming out as part of the Kickstarter and little sneak peeks and whatnot that people can go take a look. Cool. And that, that's great because this is a world that's been evolving since it started for 30 some years now. Exactly. Exactly. Almost 40, really. It's hard to believe, but wow, it's been a, wow. a long, long time. That's a, that's a lot of designers and developers who've, who've really created a, a just a ton of really innovative uh, adventures that, that have a distinctive feel from, uh, from sort mm -hmm. of what, now, as I've worked more on the, on the, the dark eye and, and the products and adventures and manuscripts that have come across it, it's become clear to me that that all these years that I've been involved in fantasy role playing that uh, our the the take on medieval European fantasy that I am used to is mm -hmm. a second hand at best a second hand look at that sort of uh, of that sort of fantasy and the dark eye is really from a a host of designers who frankly live one gigantic step closer to the origin of all that. They are Europeans. Mm -hmm. They, they are in the middle of it. These people, you know, Faldames has, you know, castles and stuff nearby. Mm -hmm. There are dark forests and, and the myths and legends of medieval European fantasy are, you know, part and parcel to their upbringing as opposed to us. We just read about it. We've, we've got our Tolkien. We've got our, our, our impression of what European fantasy is. But mm -hmm. like I said, we're, we're removed one step and they are right in the middle of it. These guys and women, these men and women live and breathe you know, right in the environment where these, these myths and legends were born. And it, it, it really comes through in, in the flavor of the game and the, uh, the sort of grittiness and reality of the whole thing. It seems very down to earth and very, and very true and real to, as, as you play the game. 
Oh, that's good. Yeah, I, I would think that, you know, living kind of in and amongst that sort of environment, it would sort of start to become mundane and a little less interesting. Well, and, and maybe I don't I, I don't think that, you know, it's obviously it's it's uh, it's what you're brought up with. I mean, if if uh, I think the reverse of that would be if 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 we were to, if you and I were to sit down and create an American Wild West game, mm, that's we're, true. we're right in the middle of it as far as Hollywood Wild West. And, yeah. and if, if we let our, our very skilled, but somewhat removed German friends from Ulysses Spiele create a Wild West game, it might feel a little, a little different and not quite as, not quite as complete. And they'd, they'd get a, you know, it'd be just a little bit off. I mean, I don't know for sure, but that's, that's my, my rough analogy of where I think that's all headed. Yeah. No, I, I like that a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So there's this, this has been evolving and growing and a, a lot of it comes from the players themselves, if I'm not mistaken, right? A lot of this content, the way that, that things have shaped up, the stories that kind of happen in, in Aventuria. Yes. That's, so, so there's, that's yeah. the case. Cool. So there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff then for this translation to tackle. What, yeah. what have you decided to cover or what is being covered? Well, uh, what we're doing is a faithful translation of everything that they're creating for the new edition of the game in okay. Germany. So everything that they translate to be part of the new German edition, mm-hmm. or translate, I, I said that wrong, but everything they're developing to part, to be part of the new German edition, we are translating book for book into English. Cool. So frankly, those decisions are being made by people who are on the design team over there who know that material in German, you know, hardcore. Nice. So they're making the decisions and saying, okay, well, we need this world book and we th- need this sort of setting book and we need this sort of bestiary. That's being decided at, on that side of the pond. And then we are just making sure that it is translated and presented, uh, in, in as clean and, and graphically pleasing a format as possible. We're really matching nice. their books essentially page for page. What's translated on page, uh, 100 of the German edition of the core rules is what's on page 100 of the of the English language edition of the core rules. And we're keeping their graphic look. We're keeping their art nice. almost entirely. We can touch on why we're not entirely grabbing their art. Um, sure. They, uh, the European sensibility to certain things is, is different than the American sensibility to certain things. Mm, so okay. you may be, you may be, uh, uh, figuring out what I'm, what I'm leading up to. There's a certain mm-hmm. amount of art. There's a certain mm-hmm. amount of art in the German editions of these books that has way more nudity then would be acceptable <laughs> in an American edition of, of the book. So we have to take that into account and we either have to change or replace that art, which frankly, from my point of view is completely tasteful, but uh, it's not the right. kind of thing that we could put in an American store uh, before too long. We'd have to sell it in a Brown wrapper from behind the counter and, and nobody wants that. So right. uh, uh, we, we just have to take those kinds of things into mind. And as long as we're making those sort of uh, concessions, to, to the sensibilities of the American and the rest of the English speaking market, then, then we're good. The game really doesn't lose anything for this. We're just making changes and, and altering some of the art. But, uh, but again, besides that, we're keeping mm-hmm. exactly the graphic presentation that we're getting from the especially talented graphics team over in Germany. Wonderful. So people shouldn't be worried that, yes, there is this this rich, extensive history, but uh, this English version, we won't be missing out if we don't know about the Dwarf War from 20 years ago in this particular book from this time. Right. You know, that's that's good. Awesome. That, that's correct. They're doing the same thing. I mean, obviously in Germany, too, they don't want to mm. they don't want to force a, a potential new German fan 
into reading 30 years of history. We don't want yeah. that. So uh, both both editions of the game, the new German edition and this new English language edition that we're doing, um, uh, let you uh, let you just read in and start at the beginning of the edition, and and you'll be as up to date as anybody else playing this game. Perfect. So art direction aside, mm-hmm. uh, I. You know, haven't played the Dark Eye yet, but the sure. things that, uh, as I was reading about it, the the consensus seems to be this is a very German game. Uh, <laughs> okay. So whatever that might mean, yeah, right, exactly. Right. It's like, all right, I I think I know what that means. I've played a lot of uh, German board games, so uh, <laughs> I feel like I kind of get the what what aesthetic they're they're hinting at here. Right, right. Uh, but from from your point of view, having worked now with this game and in the past with with Dungeons and Dragons and stuff, mm-hmm. um, is there anything that stands out to you as being particularly German or just very uh, different from the sensibilities we're used to playing games like Dungeons and Dragons? Well, I, I don't think it's night and day by any means. I think that, you know, take, an, take it from the, uh, you know, 10,000 foot view. Uh, they've got the same kind of sensibilities towards we're creating characters. We've got to have statistics and game rules in order to take actions in this fantasy world mm-hmm. so that everybody's enjoying the adventure and playing it through to a logical conclusion, that sort of thing. When you get down into the details, obviously it's a game system that was developed completely independently of Dungeons and Dragons. It is not a Dungeons and Dragons ripoff as far as the system is concerned. So oh, whoever yeah. decided to start this game system back in the, I guess the late seventies or, or early eighties made their own system. And, and that has, that is basically what is stuck to this day. Uh, so that a single, a single task resolution is basically casting three 20 sided dice. That are measured against three of your statistics, your your attributes, I should say, like strength or charisma or whatnot. And mm-hmm. as long as you roll under them, you're successful. If not, your skill points you can use them to bump some of those dice down so that you are successful with that die. And basically, if there's any any points left over, that sort of qualifies the uh, the level of success that you've had. So on the single cast of a dice, you basically resolve everything with a couple of decisions. Um, I've played a few games with. Uh, the German staff, all the games I've played have been in English. Thank goodness, right? Never followed it. But, um, uh, thank, thank goodness they all speak terrific English from my point of view and, and can walk me through different games. Once you get used to that mechanic, it flies very quickly. So on the, on the surface, it might seem like, well, that's, that's a lot more than rolling a, you know, it's three times the effort of rolling a single D20. But you know, again, it becomes uh, an entire resolution of the task all in one cast and, and, and flows along very nicely in, in my point of view. Yeah, I think one of the examples I saw was uh, a, a climbing check, and it's uh, strength, uh, constitution, and agility, or, sure. or something like that, yeah. um, to to make that success. Which, from the the point of view of you know somebody who's played and run games, that makes a lot of sense. I, I know there's been several times I've I've taken a look at a at a task ahead of myself or a player and gone, I don't know, this could easily be like one of several things. Sure, sure. For you to do, so that <laughs> that sounds really good. Yeah. I think it's got – it introduces a nice level of nuance that lends uh, credibility. It lends a little realism to what you're rolling against, more so than just mm-hmm. saying, well, climbing is now just a feat of strength, so just roll against strength. Well, geez, it's more than just being strong, being able to climb. So mm-hmm. um, it, it feels right. It feels good. And then you know, uh, again, with a quick cast of those three dice, and you know, we recommend using several different colored dice so you know which ones – you know, red – yeah. Red is strength and green is charisma, whatever those are. And then and then you get used to that fairly quickly. That's very cool. Um and, and realism is a thing that I saw come up again and again with, with people talking about the dark eye, is that mm-hmm. it's more focused on 
on realism than, say, Dungeons and Dragons, in that your characters are, I guess, a lot more real, a lot less of, you know, a, a demigod hero kind of um, un- yeah. unstoppable force of nature and more of just <laughs> a, a real person. Yeah, I, I get that impression very much with the game, uh, not only in the character generation and what you can do with your characters in certain, in, with respect to game terms, mm-hmm. but also in uh, just the play of the game and the feel of the adventures. They're very much more down to earth. They tend not to be, they feel very important without necessarily having to every adventure be, you know, completely epic. Like, every, you know, every adventure does not, um, will not dictate the future course of the universe. It will not, <laughs> It will not slay the ultimate bad guy. It will not unleash the ultimate evil. Um, right. uh, so many of the adventures are far more down to earth. You've got, you know, you you find yourself in a village and there's a witch who's being oppressed by somebody else and there's something else behind the scenes and the orcs in the next valley are somehow involved. And you sort of sort all of that out in, at a very, uh, a very community sort of level where you're trying to help a very small village of individuals to, to uh, get the upper hand over local evil, that kind of thing. It's uh and in many ways, it feels uh, even more satisfying to conclude some of those adventures than one where you know you've you've killed the local Sauron and uh, mm-hmm. and, and and forever made everything perfect. So um, and they're, and they're just they're just clever sort of the whole thing has more of a to me more of a Game of Thrones kind of feel. It's got sort of more of a Brothers Grimm kind of feel to it. Um, uh, it's just. It's it's sort of like myths and legends in the making, that kind of thing. You can, and, and so much of the game is 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 uh, uh, well, I guess another thing that's very different about uh, the Dark Eye than than Dungeons and Dragons and and other fantasy role playing games is that you're really building a story. You're building the story of of your character, of your group of characters, um, and as you play along, the story of your heroes is is growing. It's it's starting at a very a very mundane level and moving gradually forward until you've got more and more notoriety. And it's the stories that are being told that are ultimately more important than, you know, the hack and slash and the body count. Would you say that there is more room for that, like storytelling in general in this system? You know, like uh, I, um, sort of quiet moments? Yeah, I, I think there is. I think it's certainly it's encouraged in the gameplay and mm-hmm. uh, the way that the, the dice system works so that, you know, you have some idea of why you succeeded or failed at a given task rather than just a, a blanket yes or no, uh, mm-hmm. lends a certain amount of detail that makes that storytelling, uh, even more exciting and even more accessible as you go along through the game. Cool. Um, and you mentioned you've been playing it some with other folks who work on the game. Yeah. Um, all the, all you... the games I've been playing are with people who are very well versed in the, uh, in the universe and the game system. Thank, you know, thank goodness I, I need yeah. to be introduced to it as well, right? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, has there been, to your knowledge, much like playtesting with people who aren't as well versed, like like yourself, I guess, <laughs> but uh, out, outside of the comp- uh, outside yeah, of you the- know, actually, what they did, I found this fascinating. This is long before we got to the the translation. They they created a um a first draft, if you will, of the fifth edition of the German language version of the game. So fifth edition Dachsparza mm-hmm. Auga a first draft of this and they printed it and they bound it and they sent it out to like a thousand game groups in Holy Germany God. and they all picked it to pieces just to, <laughs> you know, and, and, and they gathered all of that data back from this first draft to create the subsequent drafts, which, which became the, uh, the published version of that fifth edition. And that's the version that, of course we're translating into English. So nice. we have the, the uh, development uh, advantage of, of, all of that fan involvement 
over, uh, I mean, I, I'm not sure I've seen anybody do that in the States where they actually, yeah. I mean, this was a bound book. I have a copy of it here someplace. This, this first edition, I mean, it wasn't artistically much to look at, but there was the whole game and, and they really let people just, uh, you know, savage it as gamers will. You know how that is. Oh, yes. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, the, the end result, now that we've translated it and I can read it in a language that I understand is, is especially complete, especially well-rounded. Questions are answered and it, it, there just aren't all these loose ends from a, you know, as you find in a lot of early editions of, of different role-playing games. Right. How, how about with English audiences? With English audiences, uh, we haven't had to do much playtesting because at this point there's not much development. So what we get mm -hmm. to do, we're in a unique position. We really get to take this kind of finished thing. And as long as we stick it in the right language and don't mess up their translation, <laughs> they get to experience it, you know, kind of all at once here. Boom. And, you know, I think we're going to get uh, people who uh, especially get into these uh, initial adventures and say, wow, this is these adventures feel unlike anything I've ever played in a in a and d adventure or anything like that. And it and it's got a, a really compelling nature that that makes it feel Again, a little more visceral, a little more real, like it's really mm -hmm. happening in a in a medieval European setting. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait to get that kind of feedback. Uh, a bunch of those adventures are available uh, in the, as stretch goals that have already been unlocked in the Kickstarter that we're running right now. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm curious if there's anything that uh, the the German audience sort of looks for when they play role playing games that maybe the uh, the U.S. audience doesn't, uh, or if there's certain things that they they may take for granted that we don't. I can only answer that sort of uh, anecdotally because I, I'm not a German game player and I haven't done a whole lot of playing with the the vast German gaming audience at large. Or what I've witnessed, I didn't sure. understand because I didn't speak the language. But they, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, the impression that I get is that they are a little more interested in the storytelling. They are a little less interested in the body count, less interested in the hack and slash and just steal gold and accumulate wealth. Um, they really want uh, each character, I think, uh, had to have an opportunity to make a meaningful contribution uh, to the, to the goodness of the world or, uh, you know, to, to uh, eradicating evil and protecting the innocent and, and making, even a small portion of the fantasy universe, a little, a little, uh, a little nicer than when, than when they found it. So, uh, oh. the storytelling aspect appears to be, again, anecdotally from, from my impression, that's, that's a little more important to the German gamer than perhaps it is elsewhere. Very nice. Um, that actually is also sort of one of the listener questions that I had, but I didn't, oh, even, okay. uh, I didn't catch that. So, uh, <laughs> so, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, at, at that one GM, if you're listening, that was, we had the same question. Good job. <laughs> uh, and, and he'd also actually, while I'm thinking about it, would like to know if there's any common RPG terms that don't translate well. Uh, so he uses, for example, level, class, skill, that's that sort of thing we're used to uh, in our RPGs. But was there anything specific like that that was difficult to translate? Um, I didn't really find anything. Uh, as we went through the manuscript, there, there isn't a term that is necessarily difficult to translate. If there's difficulty, it's keeping that translation consistent. So. Uh, there's really no, uh, there's really no character levels in this game, but there are, mm. there are, you know, professions and there are skills. Um, we decided, uh, to call a certain aspect of gameplay special abilities rather than calling them feats, for instance. Mm. And then, then it becomes a matter of the discipline through, uh, through sharing glossaries with all the translators and editors to make sure that we don't randomly bounce back and forth and say, well, we called them special abilities here and now we're calling them feats here. Well, let's, 
let's avoid that confusion. That, that, that seems to be the, the greatest challenge is not introducing multiple, you know, sort of, uh, oh, yeah. similes, if you will. And, and, uh, we don't want to confuse people in that manner. So we're very careful to stick to a consistent translation wherever we can. Now, there are some German terms, don't get me wrong, that are difficult to, to just, uh, <laughs> yes. to just bring across into English. Like, uh, oh, for boy, instance, yeah. the, the concept of the theater night. Um, doesn't really translate well, no matter how you approach it. So it, it needs a little explanation. Mm-hmm. They're not actors. They're not warriors. It's, it's, it's got a little bit of different connotation and you want to bring that across. But at the same time, the term theater night is really kind of cool. We want to keep that because it feels neat. It feels, it feels different. Yeah. It feels, it, it's evocative of this, uh, somewhat, uh, I'm losing the term, somewhat more, uh, uh, genuine sort of setting that's been created. And it's like, you know, it, it feels oddly German. We don't, we don't mind if things feel oddly German in this. We, we want that to come across and people should know, re- remember that this was, you I'm know, sure. translated from a German, from a German game. So, uh, we don't mind leaving some of that stuff in, but, uh, but we'll give it, in each case, we give it a nice definition someplace so you're not left in the dark. Oh, good. <laughs> and I, I like that that sort of gives it, gives the world, Aventuria, this sort of authenticity of being slightly alien too. Even if it is just the Germanness of the words, it's yeah, like, oh, yes, this is a strange place. Just just translating the large map, for instance, but there's a big continental map we're translating that people can get, and uh, it's got all of the these place names, and we could we could have very antiseptically just scrubbed it clean of German names and translated everything into English, and uh, it would have lost so much of its flavor. There's just uh, yeah, you know, you know, there's no reason to uh, change some of these village names. They just sound fun. They sound very Germanic and. In some cases, in some cases, they sound very exotic from the different lands all over this this vast uh, fantasy continent that they've created. But uh, yeah, there's no reason to just sterilize it of its uh, of its uh, roots. We wanna we wanna maintain that, frankly, as much as possible. The rule of thumb being, wherever it's not confusing, don't mess with it. Perfect, and that that kind of leads right into localization is another mm-hmm. thing that comes up with translating games. Is that something that you encountered needing to do at all in this game, or was it more of just you know if it's not confusing, just let it be German. Yeah, we, that's that's kind of the rule there. Uh, in in my experience, localization is you know more of a computer game term where you take and uh, make sure that the game and and all of its uh, its terminology when it's being played by a fellow in Lisbon comes up in Portuguese, and if it's being played by a fellow in in uh, Madrid, it comes up in Spanish. But uh, in our case, we decided early on that we're we obviously uh, are translating into English. We decided to make it American English, hmm. and uh, and our British friends and others will have to read it in the American version. Our traveler has one L in it, <laughs> and they're just going to have to live with that. No, no U in armor, etc. And so, in that sense, we we made the localization decision early on that we're just going to stick with an American English and yes. and keep it to that for for every book that we do. Okay. The other listener question I had was um, about finding a market and an audience. And we talked about that a little bit at the beginning, uh, mm-hmm. or his question a little bit at the, at the beginning. So um, I guess who decides that they want this game to exist in English? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a very good question. I, I think ultimately it's a decision um, made at the at the upper echelon of Ulysses Spiele in Germany. They said, well, we've got mm-hmm. this terrific game. Um, it's got notoriety in uh, America, so let's see if there is a response from an American audience to see if that they would like to try this as a role-playing game. Um, okay. we, then we went and measured that, of course, against what Paizo thought, and of course they've got great mm. experience 
with figuring out what an English speaking audience wants in a role playing game. And they were very, very positive and said that they thought they could find an audience. Our, our pre-sale numbers, and of course that's, you know, that's very uh, antiseptic and raw and, and unfun, but you know, it's a part of the business. So the pre-sale numbers on, on the things that we've put into Paizo's distribution have been very encouraging, actually quite high. So wonderful. We think that we'll find a good audience there. And so far our Kickstarter that is in progress now has attracted uh, a, a good number of people uh, who are getting different versions of the game through the Kickstarter. So that's going to set them up. That's uh, that's going to be a large uh, number of people who get the game and can introduce it to their friends right off the bat. So we're, we're very excited about that. It's very, been very successful and we're quite pleased. Cool. Uh, why, why don't we talk about more about the Kickstarter then? So okay. the day that this episode is going out is actually the last day of the Kickstarter. So hopefully people are listening <laughs> as soon as it comes out and can go back this. I think you can go, you know, do that or uh, check in at Backerkit or things like that and uh, and find a way find a way in even at this late hour. But um, <laughs> you can do it. Uh, yeah, yeah, we we would encourage that. Um, the Kickstarter itself has a number of pledge levels, but essentially all of them are to get some version of the basic rules. You can get the basic rules with the color cover. It's a 416 page beautiful art book that you'll be proud to own. We're also allowing. A uh, deluxe version of that with a red leatherette and little metal corners on it. That's that's uh, the same rules and the same pages, but a little bit more deluxe. And there was a limited edition of a leather-bound version, a black, real leather-bound version of the same game book with the metal corners and all of that. That has sold out at the moment, but between now, when we're recording, and (laughs) when you hear this, the end of the Kickstarter, we may introduce a limited number of those and, and bump that number up some because we're getting some demand to get some more of those out there. However, ha, ha, that being said, the pledge levels basically give you some means to get the core rules mm-hmm. and then all of these different stretch goals that we've added. And we're up to our, I think we've unlocked our 31st stretch goal even now. And there were probably close to 40 of them by the time this all ends. And, and those are either PDFs or physical copies of adventures and of uh, dice that we're putting out an additional dice cup and, uh, uh, all of these, you know, the special six ciders that we're putting out, some special twelve ciders that have to do with the the twelve gods and uh, different different special aspects of of gameplay. All of these are just fun. They're just fun toy value sort of things. Except the adventures, of course, and what are called the Aventurian heralds, these sort of newspapers of the uh, that sort of bring you information and, and on the ever expanding and ever growing world of Aventuria and what's going on. You know, what's the haps here and what's going on over there. Um, all of those things, you know, build this tremendous uh, 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 base level of information that allow you to uh, play those quick adventures and really get into the world of Aventuria as the rest of the material comes out. That's phenomenal. That's a lot of content. Uh, I know it's a ton. Go check out the uh, all the stuff on. I, I could list it all here, but we'd have a, we'd need a really long program. So just go check <laughs> it out on on the Kickstarter on its last day and see all the stuff you could get involved with because you're going to get it for free. It's all part of the stretch goals now. So. In it oh, goes. Wonderful. It includes, oh, I didn't even mention it. It includes several card sets um, uh, that are all reference cards for the different special abilities and, and spells nice. you can cast and, and all these different things. Uh, it includes at least, there's a couple of different dice cups. You get all these different 20-siders to play the game with that are all colored. And uh, Anyway, it's just, it's it's an amazing package. Nice. I think those reference tools are going to come in handy based on uh, what I've been <laughs> reading about previous versions of the game. Um, sure, sure. How m- how many books does it does it break down into the for the fifth edition for the core rules? Uh, the core rules are all basically all in one four hundred and sixteen page book. 
Okay. They're all in there. Yep, that's it. Yeah. And, of course, there's plenty of additional books that are going to bring out more focused rules that are on things like gotcha. you know, different fighting and different spell casting and all this stuff as we go along. There's bestiaries and world books and almanacs and all of this stuff. So that's that a system says, we're used to. Yep, it'll flow out much like an, you know, I guess we, we started the mold on that, and the Germans probably followed us, to be quite honest. But um, they've done it well, and, and right now we've got a, a really impressive product line that's going to roll out through Paizo so that everybody here in America and the English-speaking world can can get involved in Das Schwarze Auge, or the Dark Eye. Beautiful. Uh, do you guys have plans to be at Gen Con or Paizo with the Dark Eye or anything we, like that? Yes, absolutely we do. In fact, we'll be in, in both locations. We will have Ooh. a presence within the Paizo uh, area. If you're familiar with Gen Con, they have a nice big space, and we will have space within it. Mm -hmm. And we also have... Uh, an independent booth, someplace off in the nether regions of, of Gen Con, you can come uh, exploring out and find that as well. We In both of those locations, we'll be talking about the Dark Eye, demonstrating the Dark Eye, and have uh, you know games available for people to jump in and learn the system right there on the spot. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. oh, Always fun. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so curious to hear the... Uh, the difference people's experience with it in in German and now with it in English, just to just to see what's different. That'll, sure, that'll be good to know. Yeah. Um, You'll get it okay. firsthand at Gen Con, that's for sure. Yeah, cool. Uh, then in that case, uh, where can we find the Dark Eye? We'll have links in the show notes to the Kickstarter, uh, but generally, where can we find the Dark Eye online? Oh, that's a good question. I'd have to look it up. Mm. You, you caught me flat footed okay, there. That's fine. <laughs> put that in your links too. I, I don't know. I bet there's a I, website. We'll put it in the show notes. There, Where there can is. We find I, you? <laughs> I click a button. I click a button and I get to it. I don't know. I'm, it's I'm fancy. <laughs> um, how about you? Is there any place we can find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on the internet by basically going through the um, Dark Eye website. And if if you need to get any question <laughs> to, to me directly, that's fine. Cool. But I will I will generally pawn it off to minions who know more about what your question is than I do. So that okay, that will great. help. That will be helpful. Yeah. All right. Well, we will we'll send people to to badger your minions. Uh, <laughs> that um, sounds bad. They're not my minions. They're yeah. my good friends. <laughs> they're, they're still a little minion-y. Thank you so much for telling us about this. And well, thank you for your time, you. Megan. It's been my pleasure. I, I enjoyed no talking about it. And thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure. Thanks again to Tim for taking the time to chat with me about the dark eye. Links are in the show notes to the Kickstarter and to the English language homepage for more information. If you're going to Gen Con, try out the game. And again, if you've experienced the dark eye in either English or German, I'd seriously love to hear about it. Tell me about it at Gen Con or shoot me an email. Speaking of cons, I'll be at DexCon in Morristown, New Jersey in a few weeks, so if you're going to, say hi. I'll mostly be playing games, but I will be lending a hand to Glenn Given and Games by Playdate with two of their slash shows. It should be a really good time. That's it for this week, heroes. You can find Modifier on Twitter at Modifier Podcast or at the headquarters at modifierpodcast.tumblr.com. You can send comments, questions, or contribution suggestions to modifierpodcast at gmail.com. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes as that helps more people find us. Modifier is a proud member of the OneShot Podcast Network, an amazing family of RPG podcasts that includes incredible shows like OneShot, Campaign, Backstory, and Talking Tabletop. Modifier's theme music was created by my favorite Bothan, Cat Greenfield, whose myriad talents are on display at catgreenfield.com. Next time on Modifier, we'll meet the magical members of the team behind beautiful, senshi hearts. See you then. <laughs>